Welcome to Follow the Data. I'm your host, Catherine Oliver. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres issued a code red for humanity when the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change shared its latest report this week, which calls climate change unequivocal and an established fact. Heat waves, droughts, and storms like the ones we've experienced this summer are to be expected for years to come. Climate action is of critical importance for local leaders as extreme temperatures are expected to be off the charts more frequently and for longer periods of time, causing significant harm to human health and well-being. From planting trees to cool down cities to imagining and improving access to public spaces, mayors are taking bold action to improve quality of life for their residents. Bloomberg Associates, the pro bono consulting arm of Bloomberg Philanthropies, works with cities to implement sustainable and scalable solutions to adapt to climate change now. To tell us more about how cities are working to become more sustainable and resilient, Jacob Koch, who works on our sustainability team at Bloomberg Associates, talks with Alejandro Restrepo Montoya, a professor of architecture at Universidad Pontificia Bolivariana in Medellin, Colombia. Alejandro formerly served as the city architect of Medellin and helped design the city's award-winning Green Corridors project, which helped to reduce average city temperatures by two degrees Celsius. Jacob also sits down with Ilaria Giuliani, the deputy chief resilience officer of the city of Milan. Bloomberg Associates has helped to support Mayor Beppe Sala's goal to plant three million trees by 2030 and to help reimagine the historic streets and plazas to be green and ensure all Milanese live within a short walk of an upgraded public space. On this episode, Jacob, Alejandro, and Ilaria discuss how cities use data to drive decision-making and evaluate impact and the importance of bringing nature back to cities. Welcome, everyone. My name is Jacob Koch, and I work for the sustainability team at Bloomberg Associates. And I am very excited to be joined today by Alejandro, and I will, I will let you introduce yourself uh, to our listeners. Hi, everyone. Thank you very much for this invitation. My name is Alejandro Restrepo Montoya. I introduce myself with two short names, as we do in Latin America. I was born in Medellin, Colombia. I am an architect. I was director of the Office of Strategic Urban Projects of the Medellin Major's Office. And since 2018, I am the director of the Urban Transformation Program in Colombia from the University Pontificia Bolivariana in Medellin. I have a scientific inventor's patent in Colombia and a scientific inventor's patent in Panama for the industrialized modular constructive system for the design and construction of houses and institutional buildings. Wonderful. Well, you know, it's we're experiencing some rather extreme heat in the United States right now. So I think it's a good time for us to be talking about your work in Medellin to try to address some extreme heat issues. So you were the city architect of Medellin. Can you please explain the role of the city architect and, and what you worked on uh, for the city of Medellin? My job as a city architect was also as director of strategic urban projects of Medellin between 2016 and 2019. 
The work I did in Medellin had similar orientations to a conventional city architect, but had an approach specifically oriented to increase the quantity and quality of public space from a social, sustainable, and environmental perspective. Therefore, the profile of city architect in Medellin is a professional who fully conceived the city from its social, environmental, geographical, topographic, urban, and mobility dimensions to integrate these components harmoniously into the urban processes. So um, this work as a city architect, in addition to being done from an office with architects and urban planners, had to be done from the street, talking with the community, understanding their needs, learning from their traditions, working in a participatory way with the society, and uh, understanding that architecture and urbanism are processes of dialogue and social agreements. That is the job of a city architect in Medellin, listen, dialogue, to build the city collectively with ideas that come from many sectors and integrate the municipal administration with society, academia, and private enterprise. What an important job and also exciting work. Could you tell us a little bit about the role of data in your job as city architect? How did you use data? How did you apply data? What were some different types of data that informed your work? For urban planning, decisions cannot be made just from the intuition or by artistic or individual orientations. We have to understand that there are measurable problems, statistics, and data. Therefore, the data has been an instrument to define priorities for urban interventions and an instrument to measure how much the city has changed in recent years in terms of increasing public space, air quality, reducing temperatures, increasing life expectancy, and changes in the habitats of citizens in terms of mobility. In the areas of intervention of our urban projects, we have collected some data. Let me share this data with you. For example, temperature reduction in the environment was up to 4 Celsius degrees. The reduction of temperatures on surfaces was up to 10 Celsius degrees. The concentration of PM2.5 particles in the air was reduced from 20.81 to 20.26 micrograms per cubic meter. And the concentration of PM10 particles in the air dropped from 46.04 to 40.4 micrograms per cubic meter between 2016 and 2019. In those years, there was a 4% increase in displacement by walking and 34.6% increase in displacements by bicycle. The increase of public space in Medellin between 2016 and 2019 was 1,500,000 square meters. The increase in areas with plant cover was 835,000 square meters. 880,000 trees were planted 
and 540,000 square meters of spaces for pedestrian mobility were built. This data allow us to measure the scope of the interventions and the implication of these projects in terms of areas, air quality, temperature reduction, and improvement of the quality of life. That's very impressive. So I understand that one of the most important projects that you led during your time with the city was the Green Corridors Project. And I, I would love to talk about that project specifically in some more detail, beginning with the, the origins of the project. You know, what was the original inspiration for the Green Corridors work in Medellin? The Green Corridors Project is a process of environmental urbanism where the natural components are restored, which have been lost over time due to the conventional processes of urban growth while the natural areas are reduced. It is a strategy to respond to the deterioration of environmental quality and public space in cities with a natural growth process inspired by the geography of each context. The original inspiration for the project was the original condition of the city, the original topography, and the original natural components. The main objective was to improve the living conditions of citizens through two strategies. The first was to increase the quantity of public space, and the second was to improve its environmental conditions like air quality, decreasing temperature, and increasing the variety of local fauna and flora in urban spaces. Were there any data points or ways to measure the data that you had to create or invent to try to, to get at that social aspect that might be a little bit harder to, to measure through data? We have taken temperature and air quality references and we calculated how much we could grow the areas of public spaces with each intervention. Specifically, the temperature and air quality data were taken before the construction and in the months after the end of the works. We have continued to make these measurements periodically and with this data, we build the graphics of temperature reduction over space and the temperatures on the surfaces of public spaces. For this, we have used temperature measurement instruments, thermophotos and air quality meters developed by our work team. To define the incidence of temperature and air quality in these public spaces, a team of architects, urban planners and environmentalists accompany the development of the project from the diagnosis, the designs, the construction process, and the operation of these public spaces. We have built tables to measure temperature reductions, increasing non-motorized trips, improvement in air quality, and the restoration of biodiversity in urban environments. We believe that public space should not be measured solely in terms of surface. It should also be measured in terms of spatial quality and environmental quality. And that implies measuring air quality, temperatures, and the use that the community gives them. I was preparing for this conversation today. I read an article about your work 
that talked about the concept of cooling as a service. I'm hoping you can help me better understand what that term means and, and what do you mean with that phrase, that concept of cooling as a service? In geographical contexts where global warming is a concrete and real threat, the cooling of cities through natural solutions and environmentally qualified public spaces is a service and the responsibility of the state, of the industry, of the academy, and citizenship. Cooling as a service is a duty that, in addition to being offered in each city, must be the sum of global efforts to improve living conditions in our, in our cities and our planet. Urban planning is a process, not a defined and static plan. It is a process that involves society, it is a process that builds equity and should be oriented in these times to improve the quality of life, to build healthy cities and to involve society in city decisions. From urban planning and architecture, everyone can contribute to having a more natural, more sustainable and more biodiverse cities. I love that. I wonder, Alejandro, if you could describe for us any of those installations from the, the, the biennial or the biennale. Give, paint a picture for us of, of how you use data to tell the story of your work in Medellin. We are participating in two biennials simultaneously. At the Venice Biennial uh, with the Urban Transformation Program, a program developed between the ETH Zurich and the University Pontificia Bolivariana in Colombia for the construction of healthier environments, urban projects and buildings in Colombia. At the Vienna Biennale, this is the second one, we are participating with the urban project developed for Medellin between 2016 and 2019 called Medellin Environmental Urbanism. And with a new urban project that we are developing for the city of Barranquilla near the Caribbean on the Atlantic Colombian coast. There, in addition to the exhibitions of our urban projects in Medellin and Barranquilla, we will do some workshops with architects, urban planners, representatives of some cities, and with members of society in general to share our work in city planning and for the development of urban ideas in different contexts. Last year, we obtained an honorable mention of the Colombian Architecture Biennial for the urban design process of Medellin through environmental urbanism. We have two projects exhibited that show two different contexts and times in our proposals. This exhibition is in the Museum of Applied Arts in Vienna. Uh, one of these projects is the Medellin Master Plan developed and built between 2016 and 2019. And the other is the master plan that we are currently developing for Barranquilla. We are in the same pavilion where older cities in Europe, America and Asia show their urban developments in recent years. Our projects have the particularity that they are structured based on the statistics found before the beginning of the designs. And in addition to the results in terms of public space, they show the achievements in terms of reducing temperatures, improving air quality and increasing in the quality of life. I hope I'll get a chance to go see it myself. That would be lovely. Well, Alejandro, this has uh, been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you sharing your perspective 
and your experience from Medellin and now how you are bringing those, those experiences to the rest of the world. So congratulations on, on that work and, and thank you for, for taking some time to share it with us today. Jacob, thank you very much to you. It was a pleasure to speak with you and thank you very much for your support. To get a sense of how other cities are using data to inform their sustainability work, I sat down with Ilaria Giuliani, who works for the city of Milan. Milan is a client of Bloomberg Associates, and we've worked together on a variety of projects, from a new digital mapping platform combining underground and surface-level data, to accelerating Milan's plans to green the city and plant 3 million trees by 2030. I'm very excited to be speaking today with Ilaria Giuliani from the Resiliency Office in Milan. Hi, Ilaria. Hi, Jacob. It's been so long since we last got to see each other. I hope that this fall I might be able to travel back to Milan and, and we can have an aperitivo together and maybe maybe sit next to one of these new green spaces that, that we have helped realize. You need to see it come uh, to come and see our new office. What's that like being back with your colleagues? It's good. I mean, it's it's different. You know, we were in the last year we we were used to be in the city center next to the Duomo. Now we are in Corvetto, which is a peripheral area. So Ilaria, you helped create the resiliency office in Milan and are now part of a new department called the Department of Environmental Transition. So I'm wondering just to begin, if you could tell us a little bit about what you did with the Resiliency Office and what does environmental transition mean for Milan? Okay, Jacob, so thank you for the question. Uh, yes, actually, <laughs> I, I, I sort of created the, the City Resilience Department here within the municipality of Milan. Uh, the municipality actually decided to uh, create this department, the City Resilience Department, in 2017 for the city of Milan with the more social and economic uh, impacts related to uh, some poor uh, areas uh, within the peripheral area of the city. We won the competition and then the mayor changed uh, in 2016, uh, Mayor Sala came after Mayor Pisapia, uh, and he decided, of course, to um, renew the commitment within with the, the Rockefeller Foundation. So I know that there are various ways that you use data to inform your work, to measure the impact of your work. And that was true with the City Resilience Office, and that's been true with the Department of Environmental Transition your work with the PGT and other projects. But just to start generally speaking, how does data inform your work? And what are some ways right now that you're using data day to day in your work? Data have to be the basis, the starting point for developing new strategies and new plans or new projects. We understood first of all that there was somehow a lack of our knowledge um, of our knowledge about how the climate of the city of Milan was changing through the year, 
and which were the consequences of this uh, climate change locally at the local scale, of course, the most challenging part of using data, of using, of using proper analysis for developing plans and projects is the fact that uh, when, you, when you collect some data, it's like you know, taking a, a, photo, a photo, no? So you, you have a specific data or in a specific moment, and then maybe you you will develop a plan that will took that will take five months to be developed. You are still using data that are taken with this photo five months before, in the most lucky luckiest episode. So uh, you need to be constantly updated about how the data change. Uh, specifically in the last year, and as well with the with the strategic support of, Boom, of Bloomberg, uh, we have been developing several, uh, let's say, uh, bases, anal analytic bases for um, you know revising this gap this, uh, that I was mentioning. Um, we used first of all, for instance, the Eat Island map that Bloomberg helped us to develop the, together with the National Observatory of Athens, with the NOAA. Uh, of course, this is a starting point, as I was saying. So it's a photograph that we took two years ago, something like that. Uh, but it's a starting point, and it's a way to prioritize our intervention, prioritize our intervention on the public space, on the green areas, on the, the pavement program, on the urban forestation program. So, it's a way to readdress our priorities in order uh, taking into account uh, how uh, the, the climate change and the, for instance, the, in that case, the, the phenomenon of the East Island is impacting on the, urban, on the urban furniture. I love your description of data or certain types of data as like taking a photograph <laughs> because it gives you that view of a moment in time. And it sounds like your challenge is how to make that photograph more dynamic and, and keep up with the pace of changing realities on the ground in your city. And so I'm wondering if you could tell how the climate might look in 10, 20, 50 years in Milan. What are some specific ways that that shapes the work that you're doing right now? We mainly are focusing on the uh, increasing of the temperature and on the hydrological risk. So starting from these two basic risks, we can see how strategy can answer to both of them at the same time and how we can, uh, again, uh, give ourselves new priorities in order to face these two challenges. Uh, of course, I mean, basically, as you can imagine, nat nature is somehow the answer. So bringing back nature into the city, uh, there are, of course, as we all know, uh, thousands of ways through which we can bring back nature into our cities, into cities in general. Uh, we are trying to address all of them at the same time. So we are looking at the public space, uh, I was mentioning this before, we're looking at the public space and see how we can uh, regreen the public space to cause more green within our public space. We are trying to consider if we can have uh, less, depaved, uh, less paved public space, so how we can increase the amount of, area, the amount of areas that are depaved. The municipality of Milan together with other 
130 municipal, small municipalities are working hardly in order to reach the goal of the Forestami program that aim to plant 3 million of trees uh, by 2030. Of course, it's a challenge from different perspectives and different points of view. Uh, first of all, the economic one, and this is not a secret. <laughs> But then it's a challenge because we need to have more availability of areas where we can plant. This is not easy. The city of Milan is quite dense. That's why uh, I, we work hardly as well on the topic of the, the paving because we, we need to acquire more available lands, more available surfaces where we can proceed with green interventions. Ilaria, when you and I started working together on this question of underground infrastructure and underground utilities, someone described the situation to me as a spaghetti soup of tubes and cables and, that had been built up over decades and even in Milan, centuries. Could you give us some other examples of some other programs that you're working on where that data on underground services is also useful? How else does that help you day to day now in your work? Using the mapping tool, uh, you are uh, able at the same time to have uh, an overview, an urban overview of the whole city. So I was saying you, you can plan, decide to prioritize your intervention, to 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 design projects for a specific area and to have, an, as I would say, an overall overview. But at the same time, in the same moment, you are able to go into detail of that project and see uh, which are the real conditions of the area you have been identifying and see if you have a first visibility, uh, let's say, answer to the, to the question you have in your mind in order to, get, to go on with all the technical aspects. So uh, two different approach, two different scale, and two big aim that the municipality is pursuing in, in the last year. So as you were describing, one of the exciting parts of this new digital mapping tool is that it combines data on the underground with data on the surface level conditions. And also I understand brings together data from various different departments across the city government of Milan. So I'm wondering if the mapping tool has helped you work with colleagues in different departments in different ways. You know, Has this helped you break down some of those traditional silos of city government? The funny thing is that maybe at the end <laughs> you work less with a colleague rather than more because you have everything you need looking at the at the at the mapping tool by yourself. <laughs> I didn't think about this before, uh, but that, I mean, of course, it's a joke. Then, of course, you have to develop the things you you can collect with the mapping tool. You need to go. You, you need to go farther, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But at the very first image you get by yourself uh, close in your office is the fact that there are different contributions from different departments that are all mapped within one single map. You can ask the mapping tool to give you the answer uh, that you need. And then starting from this, you can go through all the other steps that you need to face in order to, to go on. If we are going to be able to, as I was saying, include 
many other maps, many other infos, many other data, this could be really helpful as well in, in, or, in reorganizing the way we work, the way we work with other colleagues, the amount of time we need to, to have infos and data then uh, that are needed to develop the project. So it's not only a specific tool, it's not only a matter of data, uh, it's not only a matter of how the digital components can be helpful, but it's a matter of reorganizing the public administration, actually. Well, thank you so much, Ilaria. It's been nice to, to chat with you today. And thank you for your time and, and for all of your experience and perspective from your work in Milan. Thank you, Jack. Thank you for the invitation and I'm happy to contribute in the future. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Follow the Data. Many thanks to Jacob Koch, Alejandro Restrepo Montoya, and Ilaria Giuliani for joining us. Kindly note the views of the podcast guests are entirely their own, and Bloomberg Philanthropies hasn't independently verified any of the statements made by this week's podcast guests. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to Follow the Data. This episode was created by Amy June, Sarah Washington Gogan, Jacob Koch, Adam Freed, Anthony Tran, Devin Alessio, Allison Crone, and Sam Wolf. To learn more about how Bloomberg Associates works with city governments to improve residents' lives, follow at Bloomberg ASSOC on Twitter. As our founder, Mike Bloomberg says, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So till next time, keep following the data. I'm Catherine Oliver. Thanks for listening.